Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. I'm joined now by former President of the United States, Donald Trump. Mr. President, good morning. Merry Christmas to you. Well, thank you very much. I I was just talking about Boris Johnson, your friend, and your friend Nigel Farage. So let's begin with breaking news, Mr. President. Boris is in big trouble because Nigel is so angry, and it is the House of Commons because they had a Christmas party at number 10 last year while Boris canceled Christmas. Do you think he survives this? Well, I don't know if he actually canceled Christmas. I know Boris very well, but he has has seemed to have gone further left, and uh, his whole stance on the environment has changed quite a bit. And I'm not sure that people are loving it, but I always had a good relationship with him. I don't exactly know what he's doing. He's a little bit different than he was. And I, I imagine that Nigel is exactly, what you're telling me is Nigel's not exactly thrilled, right? Oh, Nigel called out the government as being old Etonian Oxbridge uh, government elitists who were having wine and cheese and playing games while the rest of the country had to stay away from their loved ones. Oh, I've never heard Nigel that well, angry at Boris. Well... He's very upset with Boris on the environment uh, and what's happening with respect to environmental things. And certainly Boris has changed on that. But, you know, what am I going to do? It's one of the few cases I get along with both of them. You get along with both of them. Maybe I'll keep it that way for a little while. But, you know, there is a change. There's no question about it. Let me ask you about Sidney Powell. Uh, The Washington Post yesterday reported that she raised more than 14 million on the election uh, litigation. Did you know about that? No, she was. She didn't work for me. She was a uh, lawyer that was representing General Flynn and some others, and she never officially. Now, she was on our side from the standpoint, I guess, you know, from the standpoint of what she was doing, but uh, she didn't work for me as per se. She worked for uh, General Flynn and others. And I disagree with some of the things that she's doing and some of the statements that she made, uh, as you know. Yes. But uh, I didn't see the story, no. Okay. Last night at a Christmas party book party that uh, Keith Kroc, who worked for you at State Department, gave for Stan McChrystal, a fellow named Len Kodakovsky, who I know very well, he worked for you at State, loves you, uh, came up to me and said, we were talking, I said, I'm going to interview the president tomorrow, said, tell him not only is he the best president ever for Israel, he's the best president for Christmas. He saved Christmas. What do you think about that? Well, he's a good man. It's true, though. You know, when I was running 2016, Christmas was like you couldn't you couldn't say the word. I said the word and I said, we're going to bring back Christmas and we're going to be saying Christmas. And, you know, department stores weren't using it and they had little things like they'd show snow and they'd show a red wall, but they wouldn't say Merry Christmas. And uh, I think we brought it all the way back and we can do it with other things. I look at what's happening. And, you know, this whole female athlete thing is a very big deal, too. I see that uh, a record, a swimming record was broken by 18 seconds. Another one was broken by 
38 seconds. Okay, you know what 38 seconds is, right? Yep. And uh, we have to bring back the female athlete. This is just crazy what's going on. They're, these these records, you know, one record held up for many, many years. And, you know, if they break it by one-eighth of a second, it's a lot. You don't break it by, like, 36 seconds and 18 seconds. It's ridiculous. What Only Bob Beeman in the long jump, if you remember that. Bob Beeman That's shattered. That. <laughs> that was That's a big a, one. Yeah, he's about, he's about it. But yeah. even that wasn't relatively like this. No, it wasn't. Crazy. No, it wasn't. I, I look forward to seeing what happens with respect to the weightlifting records. Yeah. That'll be interesting. Now, you have a book coming out, Mr. President, Our Journey Together, which is available right. at the number 45books.com. I had not heard about that until I called you up to ask you to come on, and your team sent me a note about this. What is Our Journey Together about? So it's a book of pictures, largely, with statements, but a book of pictures and I did it at the request of some because we had a great presidency, even though we were surrounded by maniacs that were looking to do damage. But we had a great presidency in terms of what we we rebuilt the military. We cut taxes more than, you know, the biggest tax cut in history, as you know, biggest regulation uh, cuts in history. What we've done was uh, just amazing. And it was a you know, in many ways, it was a great time. It was a nasty time because the Democrats are absolutely crazed. Uh, two impeachment hoaxes. Uh, you look at the Mueller witch hunt. We went through so much, and yet we got more done than virtually anybody. I mean, you just take a look at what we did. And we had a, a tremendous foreign policy. You didn't have planes flying over Taiwan, and he understood that. You didn't have planes, uh, bombers flying over Taiwan. You didn't have What's happening uh, on Ukraine? You didn't have this. I mean, this looks like it's very serious stuff. They don't respect us anymore. And then when you add in the worst, in my opinion, the most embarrassing moment in the history of our country, which is the withdrawal from the way they did the withdrawal from, I, I mean, Afghanistan. I've never, I've never seen anything in all the years I've been doing this stuff, and I've been watching it just like you have. And I've been involved with it, as you are. I've never seen anything worse than the or more embarrassing than what we did with Afghanistan. We lost soldiers, by the way, many, many very severely wounded that nobody even talks about. We left hostages. We left American citizens behind. We left eighty five billion dollars worth of brand new, beautiful equipment, much of it behind. I've never seen anything like it in my life. And I had that so perfect. Every screw, every nail, every bolt was going to be taken out. Every tank, we were taking everything. We were even taking down the hangars. And we were keeping Bagram, not because of Afghanistan. You know, it was billions of dollars to build it. We were keeping it because it's one hour from the Chinese nuclear plant. That's where they make their nuclear weapons. Can you Well, Mr. President... That brings me, there are two other books out I want to talk about. Mark Meadows, your chief of staff, and my friend and your friend, has a new book out in which he writes, it just came out yesterday, in the last year of the Trump administration, it was Ambassador Robert O'Brien who would step in when Secretary of Defense Mark Esper went A-W-O-L. He says he went scuba diving, you couldn't find him. And that quote, uh, when uh, Esper was effective at making small decisions on canceling clergy in California or authorizing the latest woke training material. But when it came to critical decisions that affected our national security, it was Robert O'Brien, whom I relied on. Close quote. Uh, Secretary Esper has a book coming out in May. I haven't seen that yet. Is uh, 
Mark Meadows right about Secretary Esper being AWOL and you having to rely well, on Robert O'Brien? Yeah, he was recommended by some people. He was a very ineffective guy. Uh, he was uh, he'd send letters out to the military uh, talking about their rights, talking about their rights. These are soldiers that you don't talk about rights. You want to have soldiers prepared to fight. Uh, he was uh, not effective. He was not he was not one of our good ones. I can tell you we had some great people. And we have some great generals, but not the guys you see on television. But Esper was not, I call him Jesper, because he always seemed to say yes. We call him Jesper. Uh, no, I was not a fan of Jesper. Well, uh, Meadows credits my friend O'Brien as being the guy you leaned on. That will make Esper mad at O'Brien, I assume. But is that correct? Well, O'Brien was very talented. You know, he was our hostage negotiator. Yes. And we had an unblemished record. We got back everybody. The saddest was uh, Otto. We got Otto back from North Korea, and uh, he came back in very bad shape. That was a rough, rough deal. We got him back, but he was – that should have been done much earlier by the Obama administration. They could have done it. But we got three others back from North Korea, but we got him back from everywhere. And, and O'Brien always tells me, you never paid money. You never paid a dollar. We never uh, paid money. No. Once you uh, pay money, then they're going to take your then then they'll even take you. They'll take the great you you it. And that would be I'd probably leave you. I probably wouldn't do it. I uh, kind of assume that would be the case, Mr. President. I hope not. But I, mean, I want to ask you now, about Robert, 2020. Robert was a good man. He's I, a friend of yours, I guess. But Robert was a good man, did a good job. I want to talk to you about 2024. I told you in the run up that I know you won't answer this question. So I've reframed it, Mr. President. Uh, if you know your base better than anybody, you know the people who come to the rallies. If Donald Trump decides not to run in 2024, who out there will that base flock to? If I do decide that, I think my base is going to be very angry. <laughs> well, it will, but one. they'll still have to find they somebody. They will be very angry. Uh, I, I think we have a couple of people that are would be very good. Uh, but it's, you know, very early. It's very, very early. But I will tell you, you look at the polls and you look at what's going on and you look at the endorsements. You were, I think, 152 and two on endorsements. You saw the story yesterday that came out, uh, the the endorsement. And I take that very seriously. You know, I spent a lot of time talking to people about endorsement. They all want the endorsement of Trump. You remember for years you'd heard the expression, an endorsement isn't worth the paper it's written on. And then... This whole thing came along and it's it's a very it's a very important it's a very important treasure. So, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time doing that. Now, I think that uh, we'll see what happens after right after the midterms. I think we're going to have a great 22 and I think we should have a uh, a really incredible, you know, 24. But remember this, uh, they cheat like hell in the elections. What happened should never be allowed. What what happened and we're not forgetting it. And many things are going on right now. But we have to be careful. We have to be careful. Well, your friend, do, your friend, uh, John Solomon, your friend, John Solomon. I want to give him credit for this line. John me, Solomon is great. He, he told me last week we were at a heritage meeting together. He said right. President Trump should stay king of the Republican Party and not run. Uh, if you decide to say King and just reign as sort of uh, uh, as the guy in the back and the, the, the head of state of the Republican Party, who will your people flock to? You know who's running. It's, you know, the Pompeo and DeSantis, Tim Scott, Rick Scott, Tom Cotton. These are the front runners. Ted Cruz was on yesterday. Who will they flock mm -hmm. to? Well, I'll tell you uh, about that in about one year from now. We'll have another phone call, maybe before that. 
but I'll discuss that subject right after the midterms. I know exactly. I, I mean, I have two or three that I think would be very good, but I'll make my decision. And it seems that if you look at the polls, I think we're with 96 percent of the Republican Party approval, 96 percent, which is a great honor. We did a great job. We did a great job for the country. And I have never seen anything like what's happening right now at the borders with that withdrawal from Afghanistan, with the economy, with inflation. Look at inflation. And inflation is going to be eating your life. Energy prices. We're energy independent. And now we're going begging OPEC, please send us oil. We have no oil. Please send us oil. California is just at seven, $7.75 in certain areas of California. Can you believe it? It was $1.86 when I left. Now, I think personally, your greatest achievement is probably the Abraham Accords and Operation Warp Speed. But the longest lasting, the longest lasting achievement will be the three justices on the Supreme Court. I believe Roe and Casey are going to be overturned because of your appointments to the Supreme Court. Do you agree with that prediction? Well, I think that what I'm reading uh, from certain experts and based on what they just heard last week, uh, a lot of people are saying you're right. So we'll see what happens. That will make your appointments the most enduring legacy of your presidency. Well, I've heard that. Look, I have also appointed almost 300 federal judges. Yes. Uh, people don't know that. But I've appointed uh, approximately 30 percent. Some people say about 32 percent of the uh, judges. And we have great judges. We have some incredible judges, which are very important. I also did the three justices. And... Uh, it's a very big moment. I mean, we'll see what happens, but it's it's a some big things are before them right now, as you know better than anybody. And you had also deterred Russia from what it's doing on the border of Ukraine right now. Putin wouldn't have dared do this. It happened under Obama when he invaded Crimea, he President Obama. No. And so he what, never what should done you look? I was tough. I got along great with Putin. I liked him. He liked me, but he would have never done this under any circumstances. Remember this. I was tougher on Russia than anybody by far. And I watched these lowlifes like uh, Shifty Shift say, Russia, Russia. Let me tell you, I did something that nobody would even have thought of. I ended their pipeline, Nord Stream 2. I ended it, the biggest in the world, their most important treasure. And I ended it. Nobody would have done that. And Biden comes in. His son got $3.5 million from the wife of the mayor of Moscow. Biden comes in and he immediately approves it. And then they say, oh, Russia. There was nobody tougher on Russia than me. Nobody. No, I agree with that. I do not know about the Hunter Biden story, so I'm not going to agree with that. But I agree that no one was tougher on Russia than you. Now, let's turn to your other quote friend. President Xi is a killer. He's, he's got a genocide right. going on in China. Should we have anything to do with these Olympics? I know you have to get along with the people that are there when you take office. But it's 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 a genocide, Mr. President. So Jimmy Carter did the Olympic thing and it didn't work out. And we have a much we have we have much bigger things that we can do. Uh, I had a very good relationship until COVID came in. I made an unbelievable trade deal for the farmers and manufacturers. That's why the farmers are all rich right now. I said, go out and buy a bigger tractor and more land. And it turned out that I was right. China bought, uh, you know, billions and billions of dollars for. But once COVID came in. I forgot about trade deals. I forgot. It was just too big. It was too disgusting, too horrible. No, uh, China has hurt our country and has hurt the world very badly. Hurt the world worse than they've hurt us. 
you know, do you think General Secretary Xi knew about COVID and let it spread without doing anything because he didn't well, want to be I disadvantaged? Think, yeah, I, I happen to think that, look, the, the question that you're really asking is, did they do it on purpose? And I don't think so. You know, don't want to be naive. There are many people that I respect that do think so, okay? And a lot of people think they did it so that I would lose the election, but I got 12 million more votes than I got the first time. So obviously something happened. You know, I was told if you get 63 million, which I got in 2016, you get 63 million votes, you win. I got 75 million votes. I got 12 million more, more than any other sitting president ever by far, not even close. Usually they get less, like Obama got less his second time. But I got 12 million more, a record, and lost. And a lot of people think that uh, if he did it, he did it for that reason, because of the tariffs and other things. You know, we took in hundreds of billions of dollars from China under me. Prior to me, we never took in 10 cents. Not one dollar did we take in. They were ripping us. And, you know, that's uh, – in fact, I noticed that – the Obama people don't have the economic courage to end the tariffs. They were talking about, we're going to end the tariffs. Well, it's so much money is pouring in on the tariffs, and companies are leaving and coming back to the United States and going other places. Let me understand you, Mr. President. Uh, are you saying that President General Secretary Xi may have unleashed the virus or at least allowed it to spread recklessly because he wanted you to lose? Well, I think there's a theory out there. That's certainly one of many theories, because I was, I was doing very well against China. We rebuilt our military. We did things that nobody thought possible. In that period of time, we rebuilt our military. We created Space Force, which they hate, by the way. They were taking yes, they over do. space. Yes, they do. And uh, they hated They hated everything I did. I got along with him great on a personal. It's like Putin. I, I get along with him, and I got along with Xi Jinping. I got along with all of them. I got along with Kim Jong-un. The ones I didn't get along with were the weak ones. The weak ones I didn't get along with. The tough ones I got along with you. Someday you'll explain that. But you, what I did to Russia with the pipeline and then to hear that, oh, Trump was not strong. I was strong. I sanctioned the most important people in Russia. When these guys came in, they released the sanctions. And look at Iran. I had Iran. They would have made a deal with me in the first week. You know, In the first week, if I had won the election, which I did, they would have made a deal with me in the first week. Now they want reparations. They, they're asking for money. They don't even want to talk. They won't even talk to the Americans. The Americans can't even get into a room with these guys. They would have had a deal. You know what they did? They weakened my sanctions so much. And now the other thing that happened is China's going in and taking oil like they've never done before. They didn't do that with me. I told them, you can't buy oil from Iran. And he didn't buy it. Very little. You know, you Mr. President, from Iran. He you, you and I disagree about the election, but we agree on so much. So I want to ask especially about the hypersonics that China launched. Did you know they were coming? This is a game-changing weapon that they have launched on President Biden's watch. Did you know they were about to do that? Uh, I knew that I started it. So Russia started it after they got our information. You know, somebody gave them during the Obama administration everything we had on hypersonic. And Russia did it. And what I did is a catch-up program. And we've caught up, largely caught up. But what happened is Russia got it. And then China got it, perhaps from Russia. I doubt they did it themselves. They got it, perhaps, from Russia, maybe from some bad spy in the United States. But you know what happened. They, 
uh, Russia got the, you know, how to the knowledge from the United States. They did it and Obama didn't do it. I caught up with it. Uh, how China got the information, I don't know, but I had heard that they had information. But we uh, we've started that program very heavy under my administration. I don't know what they're doing about it now with Biden. I really I have two last questions, Mr. President. I think your team is calling on you. You always I love talking to you and you're always the best interview in America. Uh, Is President Biden or Vice President Harris tough enough to deal with Russia and China? I think, you know, the answer to that. And it's not just a question of tough. I know a lot of tough people that are stupid. I know a lot of stupid people that aren't tough enough. And uh, I know a lot of stupid people that, uh, that frankly, are very tough. Those are the most dangerous, actually. Yes. So, you know, there are a lot of different answers to your question. Uh, when you talk tough, knowledgeable, negotiating ability, I mean, I looked yesterday at uh, the two of them, and I sort of said, this is the Pittsburgh Steelers in their prime playing against your high school football team. Because things were given up at that meeting that were – Terrible. Look, the bottom line is Putin would have never done this with me. He would have never done it. And, you know, they always talk about they don't talk about the real thing that he's afraid of, which is war. He doesn't want war. They talk about we're going to put sanctions on if they go in. Well, for sanctions, it's worthwhile for him to go in. What kind of a negotiation? They kept saying sanctions. Well, he he would love to have sanctions if he could take over Ukraine. He'd take them. And then in two years, the sanctions come off like they always do, et cetera, et cetera. Now, they don't talk. There was nothing scary about that meeting. Putin walked away from that meeting saying, wow, that was nice. Yeah, I'm afraid you're right. I am afraid you're right. Last question, Mr. President, is off the if, off topic of the news. When I first interviewed you in 2015, and we've had a lot of these conversations, I'm the only guy that ever asked you about your childhood and your upbringing. You went to Marble Collegiate Church. You, you heard Norman Vincent Peale. Is that where right. you would spend Christmas? I mean, what did the Trump family Christmas would, look like? Norman, yeah, Norman Vincent Peale was one of the greats. And a man of religion, also one of the great speakers. He could get up and give a sermon. And it was one of the few times you really wanted to stay. You'd yeah, say, I wish I you'd go that. on longer. He was fantastic. The Power of Positive Thinking. He wrote a book called The Power of Positive Thinking, which today still has records. It was a fantastic book. And uh, wrote it a long time ago. But it's, you know, there's a lot of truth to it. But Norman Vincent Peale gave the greatest sermons. And uh, that church was packed. I remember I'd go there, not just for Christmas either. You'd go there on a Sunday. And if you didn't know your way around, you couldn't get into the church. Or they'd have you sitting out on Fifth Avenue where they'd put screens. He was a great guy. I didn't know that you knew him or, or listened I to him. I know of him. I've never met him. But was the Trump was, family was, Christmas yeah. at... At, at Marble Collegiate, what was the Trump family Christmas like with your mom and your brothers and sisters? Well, we had Christmas dinners in Queens, and uh, usually we'd go to a midnight service, but we'd have Christmas dinners in Queens, in Jamaica Estates, Queens, and with, at my parents' house. And it was uh, that went on for a lot of years. It was great. It was a great time. I know you By lost way, your one brother. Thing I'd like to bring up, uh, one thing I'd like to bring up sure. uh, is the debt ceiling situation. So. Mitch McConnell has the greatest hand, the greatest, the, the best. This is such an easy negotiation to kill the bill back worse plan, of, which is going to destroy our country permanently. It's going to change the fabric of our country, what they're doing between the Green New Deal stuff, the woke stuff, all of the things that they're doing, the cancel culture. This is going to really hurt our country. 
And we have a thing called the debt ceiling. And this morning I hear he gave it up. He gave it up for practically nothing. He could have used the debt ceiling card. As an example, he did a couple of things. He gave them a two-month extension to get their act together, and they got their act together. Good going. Mitch, Mitch McConnell, when he gave them the two-month extension, when he allowed them to break up the bill, so they had the infrastructure bill, which is only 11% infrastructure. I call it the infrastructure bill. Huh. Uh, when, he, when he broke up the bill, it made it much easier for him to get the current one, which is really the destructive one, passed. He could have used the debt ceiling. He gave it up. And just out of curiosity, why didn't he get the wall? Why did Because we had the wall just about complete another month. It would have been complete. He should have demanded in the infrastructure bill when he gave that one up with 19 senators, Republicans voting for it, a, a real good victory for the Democrats. He should have demanded at least that they finish the wall. You know, Mr. President, what I don't understand is when Leader McConnell comes on this show, and he does often, he always compliments your judges and your Supreme Court justices. He always says nice things about you. I, and as a Republican and as someone who wants to win in 2022, I want everyone to focus on Joe Biden and this Build Back Better bill is the worst bill I have ever seen. It's two trillion dollars of inflation. And you could stop it. You could stop it. And if you don't stop it, that's far more destructive than anything that the debt ceiling can do. The debt ceiling is psychological. This is not psychological. This is fact. This will destroy our country, uh, the fabric of the country as we know it. And it's really at least a $5 trillion bill. It's I agree. not 1.7. It's at least the Wharton School of Finance where I went. Very smart people. They came out. They said it's close to $5 trillion. And I think they're low. I think it's going to be quite a bit. You know, I, what I don't understand, if I go to West Virginia, I can't find anyone who didn't vote for Donald Trump. Why would Joe Manchin vote for this? Have you called him? Well, I know this, that Joe will eventually fold. That's what I know. So Joe's going to fold, and that's going to be that. But listen, this is just crazy that they got 19 Republican senators to vote for the infrastructure bill, 19. And why didn't we, at least if you're going to do that, get some things in there that we wanted? Well, I got my bridge in Ohio, Mr. President. I, I, I like some of the infrastructure bill. I have to admit, I would have voted for it. I'm one of those 19. But it's 19. only 11% infrastructure. You, you're, I know. You're spending I, a lot of money for the 11%. You're throwing money out the window. You're throwing tremendous amounts of money out the window in order to get 11%. I think the, the reason the, the Republicans bill, went along. The bill is the current one. Yeah, the I think the bill is the current one. I think the Republicans went along because they thought it would stop BBB because BBB is so awful. Mr. President, your team is mad at By the me way, from- it made it much easier to get by them approving that. It's just the opposite. It made it much easier for them to get this one approved, which they will be able to do. That's a fair argument. We disagree, but that's a fair argument. Let me conclude okay, by your well, book I'll again. I'll be right. I want, you know, I love that you come back and talk to me about this. I, uh, I want to go back to 45books.com. It doesn't come out till January, but people can order it now. Am I right about that? Yes. Okay. So. It's doing great. And uh, I think they'll really like it. And it's a beautiful picture of four great years for our country. And our country now is at a point that I don't think it's ever been so low. It's not respected. The world is laughing at us between our borders where millions of people are coming in every couple of months, millions and millions of people. They're emptying their jails into our country from other countries. Our country has never been so disrespected as it is right now. It's a okay, my, my last question, Mr. President, this is important. I think you're going to run again. I think you're going to win. 
But my question is, if you get hit by a truck, if a meteor hits Donald Trump or the Iranians get you like they want to, who do you want the Republican Party to nominate? People got to know. I'll tell you about that someday soon. OK, <laughs> I'll tell you about it. But <laughs> Can you narrow it down? It. How do, about five people? people? We do have some good people. I don't want to do that now. We do have some good people. We really are you going to, we have some are you going to endorse people. in the Ohio Senate race? I will be at some point. Yes. Oh, really? Yeah. No, I'll endorse at some point. Uh, it's a very interesting race. And the Missouri race also a very interesting race. And Pennsylvania is going to be very interesting. A couple of people are getting in there now that yep. are excellent. So we have please, some, some please endorsements don't, coming. Please don't endorse Eric Greitens. That's a nightmare, Mr. President. We'll lose that seat. But that's Hugh Hewitt's opinion, not yours. Well, that's an interesting opinion. That's true. He's right now leading by quite a bit. I know, but he will lose the seat. We will lose the seat. I understand that. Okay. Some people feel that. Mr. President, thank you. Have a very Merry Christmas. Thank you very much. You too. Thank you. Talk to you in the new year. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today.